back to Dice and Salt. I'm Lady Toast. And I'm Lord Richter. And we are your weekly dose of both Dice and Salt for Inspired Incompetence. Alright, so this week we have our very first episode of Book 4. Very excited. Yes, big step in the uh, in the podcast. We're uh, halfway through the uh, AP and everybody just hit level 11. Oh, yes. So we had some good level ups they talked about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think the thing that was uh, the most exciting to start the episode was the uh, flashback. Oh yes. To give us the uh, give us the background. That was that was an impressive one. Yeah, Alex has this this way of of building these scenes. They're emotional, they're vivid, they're very well written. Um and they they really set the scene for like the whole book to come. And then on top of that, you know, Matt adds in all of his sound effects when editing, you know, the the crackling fire and the footsteps and the the lightning outside. It's it's all very well done. I very much enjoyed these even from like the beginning of Skull and Shackles, so I'm always impressed with these these book openings. I yeah, I I have loved all of the uh, flashbacks Alex has done through mm-hmm. the various things, not just the book openings, but in different spots to give a little character development. Mm-hmm. What I really, really liked uh, about Tyrant's Grasp is that the uh, flashbacks have been building and kind of painting a broader story. Right. It's not like super fleshed out, but it's been telling us a broader story of kind of how we got where we're at. Yeah. And I think the first one was kind of weird. Right. We kind of get a little background. Things are a little strange. We have a little in, in episode one, we have a little touch of maybe an agent of Tarbafon. And it's like, whoa, you know, what's what's going on? What's this about? And then as we've had two, we've had three and then we have four here. Oh, man, there's a story that's beginning to unfold. And, yeah, and definitely. It's, it's uh, not looking good for uh, for last wall, uh, in my opinion. I mean, it kind of paints a pretty dark uh dark picture of not and like i said admittedly it's, it's a little flashback it's a little thing i'm sure there's much happier stuff in the lore but for our ap wow yeah it gets pretty dark especially in this one with the grandson coming back like because he's oh yeah he's sent off to uh geb you know to scout it because they're going to attack him out of nowhere mm-hmm. you know they're not they're they're enemies but they're not actively fighting each other is the impression we got from uh, an earlier flashback and yeah. this time you know boom it's Oh, send some scouts, huh? Well, here, let me kill them all, raise them all as undead, and then send them back to uh, do something terrible. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's it's bad. The grandson that the uh, commander is basically wondering what happened to comes back and murders his grandfather, apparently as a side quest or a side trip to their main objective, which is breaking into a, a, a keep, a castle. Castle Overwatch. Yeah, it's it's specifically Castle Overwatch. Yeah, breaking into Castle Overwatch and, and getting down into the tombs underneath. And, I mean, I get they open up. They don't specifically open up. They um, they end up in front of the tomb of Arasne uh, right before it cuts back to uh, current day with our current party, Short One Rogiar, uh, heading for Castle Everstand on the River Esk. Yep. We got some good times on the boat. Uh, a lot of a lot of character stuff, I think. Yeah. Well, you have uh, Utrid doing some reading of the journal that he hasn't had time to do. Uh, mm-hmm. You have Randolph practicing with Thalias and his summoned Elksy. <laughs> yep. I do. I do like the the journal reading with Utrid. 
because this is a journal they got towards the end of book three down in the in the temple underground written not by Gildeus. It's a written account that Gildeus basically gave to the author. And it gives us just some more insight into into Tarbathon, which I liked. I always like the uh, the lore parts that they add into it. Um, specifically in this one, we get you know the explanation of how this shattered shield of Arneson works and how the the Whispering Tyrant is using it to make these massive explosions. Yeah, the uh, the sort of I'm gonna throw air quotes here science of uh, <laughs> the shield the shard that i didn't realize was embedded in his hands the first time we realized that the yeah i didn't realize that either tarbafon has a piece embedded in his hand and the fact that it redirects so he creates a feedback loop mm-hmm. uh until it finally goes kaboom on the other end because it doesn't do it on him it does it somewhere yep. else uh wow yeah. i mean uh, wow and then the count of the number of shards left you know, there's one in yep. his hand, uh, so then that leaves 11, and then two have been used, so that leaves nine. One got left with the fake shards to make sure that it detected his magic, so that leaves eight, I believe. And then find out he still can't find one, so he's got seven left that he can actually, you know, use and blow things up with, I believe, is what the count I got. I think there's, well, there, I mean, there's 12 total, right? Um, one in his hand. Yep. One for Rossler's coffer, one on Vigil, and possibly one on Galaspire itself. Oh, I forgot about the Great Seal at Galaspire. Yeah, but there's also one that's unaccount. Well, there's, yes, yeah, one in his hand. One got left to make the Congo. Right, but that's the one that's used in Vigil. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. That's what I'm, that's what I'm screwing up. So there's, there's, there's 12 total, one in his hand, and then 11 were at Castle Overwatch. Ten of those were stolen. One was left behind, and that's the one that destroys Vigil. Uh, one was used on Rossler's Coffer as a test, which I believe leaves nine. And then one was not confirmed, but Aluna decided suggested, yeah, that he used one of Aluna's the seal. Yeah, Aluna suggested Gallowspire, yeah, yeah, he suggested he uses it on Gallowspire to free himself. We don't know that, but it seems likely. Seems probable so, the way this AP has gone. Definitely, uh, <laughs> there's a there's a fun moment with with Donden. He apparently, when walking through the city, finds a a hat of disguised self. <laughs> so he he turns himself into a Luna, and so when Uhtred is telling all of this to a Luna, he's like, "Ah, gotcha. It's just me, Donda." <laughs> and Uhtred doesn't take it very well. He's like, "No, that's not funny. Where is she?" <laughs> Uh, yeah, I wasn't quite sure where that was going, to be honest, but it ended up coming back later in the episode, so a little little more entertaining that way. Mm-hmm. Just Alex seeding things early to do a callback later, I guess. After that, we get, you know, Randolph, Elias, and Elksy running their combat drills on the deck, which just seems hilarious to me, you know. Yeah, running got... all over the deck doing this <laughs> stuff in different in different parts of the deck for different little mm-hmm. stunts that they're pulling. And uh, our genus is spending his time doing Harrow readings uh, for mm-hmm. folks. And then that happens for a few days, I think. Uh, four days. Four days. And then we get the appearance of sort of an angelic being that turns out to be a wooden golem with a very familiar mm-hmm. mask hanging around its neck on a chain. Yep. The uh, the mask from the undead red-haired woman that they met right after book one, I believe. She's the one that gave uh, them the No, she was, that was book three. So the start of three? the start of book three or the end of book two, yeah. End of book two, that's right. Yeah, I'm mixing them up. <laughs> As because uh, book three is is all vigil. Yes. Yeah, I forgot book two. They were in Rossler's coffer. Yeah, they get out. 
<laughs> we just did a whole recap episode of this. You'd think I'd know that. <laughs> uh, it's it's you know the tran the Alex made the transition from book two to book three very smooth because mm-hmm. and also it was we just got free of the temple and out of Rossler's coffer, got rid of the fog, and now here's somebody shows up and gives us you know wheels, and yeah. then we got to still get to vigil, and so that you know in that space it just kind of it's hard to really say this whack is where it transitioned. Yeah, but yeah, we also get a uh, another appearance of Miss Perry, the voice of uh, originally McTana and now the voice of the red-haired lady. Yes, the the red-haired lady. It's it's very interesting. I think I think we go along with the rest of the the deal, which is that the red-haired lady, via her voice, because she's not there, she speaks mm-hmm. through the mask, and basically tells the heroes. Hey, I need to see you, need to talk to you, but we need to stop this or do what we can for it. And I'll leave this golem of mine here to protect the people on the boat. So you don't have to worry about what's going on yeah. with them. And uh, it's a, yeah, it, it's a really good out for the PCs because they, they spent a whole book. Well, latter half of the last book rescuing these people. And, you know, the next book's basically saying, oh, yeah, just abandon them. And it's like, nah, I don't really want to do that. So the golem's yeah. a good way to. To kind of give them an out for that, I think. Absolutely. So the PCs naturally take this and they head to, uh, I forget the location they're heading to. It's not uh, Castle Everstand, but it is some sort of... It's like a little fort kind of situated on an island where the River Esk and the... um, Yeah, there's two rivers. I remember there's two rivers that that meet in front of it. And behind it, they dug a moat so that it's actually surrounded on all sides by water. But, yeah. uh, you know, they're kind of nestled in that V where the two rivers meet. But I was trying to remember also at that was the name of it because I know it wasn't the uh, wasn't Castle Everstand. No, it's not. It's definitely not Castle Everstand. And then what it was. more importantly, as they head to shore, uh, they identify <laughs> that something is tromping through the uh, mm-hmm. underbrush pretty heavily. And then they, uh, when they actually get to shore, they discover that it is a cataloblis. Cataloblis. It's one of those names I don't pronounce well. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's a weird name, and it's, I think Alex stumbles with it a couple times in the episode too. Yeah, it's a, it's a. I recognize the the name of the monster, and it's from you know way back many editions. So it's been there for a while. Mm-hmm. But it's just one of those ones that I'm not sure how to pronounce the damn thing. Yeah. We do we do get a an ending essentially for Donden before they head off the boat though. You know, he decides to also stay and help protect the people, which is, you know, kind of a, a turn from him being kind of an evil character to trying to be better, which is nice. But I guess it kinda means that we need another GMPC since Yando's not here anymore and now Donden's not here anymore. We seem to be getting a new one of these every book, so I'm curious to see yeah, my, what... Yeah, my heart can't take it anymore. I, I just can't get attached <laughs> to them. Well, this one didn't die. He actually re- you know, redeemed himself, and he's going to protect people, supposedly. So we'll see what Alex decides to bring in for this book. Um, but Joe does get a hero point for his role-playing here, which I which I like. I like when you know good role-play is rewarded like that. Combat's fun and all, but the role-play is, is, is what I like. It was, uh, it, it was entertaining. <laughs> Joe playing Randolph is, it's just very entertaining. So when, when he hits his little sidetrack or a distraction and 
interacts with Donden, man, he just, it's all in, and it is just not exactly what you were thinking was going to happen at all. <laughs> at least I wasn't thinking that was going to happen. But it's good, though. It's 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 good character development. Yeah, and the the, the battle with the uh, Katoblapas, Katoblapas, it, uh, sure. we do have, uh, uh, not, it's not a cameo, we have a, you know, first time, an, an inaugural moment, if you will, because <laughs> dice appear. And they're not my dice. Well, I mean, no, I mean, dice aren't a new thing, but yes, I sent Alex and Matt a set of dice a couple of months ago, and this is the first time that that Alex is using them in the game, and Nick decides that uh, any PC deaths from from now on when he's using these dice are on my hands, and, uh, you know, Nick, if you're wondering how it is that I sleep at night, I sleep just fine. Uh, I'm I'm perfectly fine with, with Alex killing your characters. Because it makes for a good story. <laughs> but it, I, I promise it's probably not going to happen. They're my dice, and I tend to have pretty terrible luck on rolling. So <laughs> you're probably safe. Well, and you had a lot of hit points to go through, to be honest. The very first well, time a set of dice that I sent to the guys made their appearance, Alex was rolling to see the effect of a, uh, a chromatic chromatic ray. Oh, the chromatic prism or whatever it is? No, not the chromatic shoots prism. Out yeah, it shoots out the like eight colored rays, and you roll yeah. to see which ray hits you. And one of the rays mm-hmm. is you get sent to another plane. So, uh-huh. uh, you know, Devoth and I think Nick were up. I don't remember which character of his it was at that point, but yeah, they were up to get you know, poof. So yep. it was it was pretty brutal. Fortunately, well, all I did was a lot of all my dice did was a ton of damage and did not send them to another plane. So I was both relieved well, and disappointed at the same time. Well, my dice for their first appearance, uh, they do con damage due to this creature's stinking aura, which, you know, gross. So that's fun. Take out a, a number of hit points from, from all of them, which is fun. Um, and about partway through the battle, we get to finally meet Matt's new character, since he decided to, uh, you know, have Rogiar be a coward. <laughs> oh yeah, and it is, for the first time in this AP, a happy reunion because... Matt's new character right. rides in on our old friend, Elksy. And I, I'm i going to go back and just say I was very upset with Alex way back when uh, Elksy had the meeting with the unknown individual mm-hmm. um, and, because I suspected who that individual was. I had an inkling. I had no real reason to think that. I just somehow my gut says, oh, God, it's this. And I was like, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit. I don't know how this plays out. I don't know what's going on, but oh, shit. And I thought for sure Elksy had bought the farm right there. And I was I was a very unhappy person. So, so what you're saying is you're apologizing to Alex for I'm, I'm not apologizing getting it wrong. To Alex. I'm not apologizing <laughs> to Alex at all because he did exactly I, I what I thought. He did exactly what I thought, which I think that still leaves a foot to fall. But for the moment, I'm happy. Elsie's back, and uh, Elsie now is awakened and can talk to us. Yeah, she speaks. That's that was surprising. Uh, I just did not see that coming. So, okay, <laughs> we have a talking talking elk, which I guess isn't so weird. It's it's just another way for Alex to antagonize the players. <laughs> yeah, sadly, sadly, I think this is his effort to bring back a, a GM NPC and one that, you know, I, I can't help but fall in love with again. 
Because oh no, I, did, oh, I hadn't yeah. even considered oh, that. Yeah. Oh, I'm, he I'm is. Sure he's that... gonna play Elksy for this book. Of course he is. Oh no! Come on now, Alex. You didn't see that coming. I did not see that coming. I just thought it was a fun. Oh no, no, no! That's well. That's, now I'm sad. That's his plan. I know that's his plan. It that has to be his plan, and I'm I'm sorry for suggesting that you apologized to him. Because that's just evil. That's just mean. It totally is. Because <sighs> you can just imagine what he's going to do to Elks. I, mm-hmm. I, oh. Yeah, <sighs> yeah. So anyway, before I lose the happy reunion, um, the guys uh, deal with the Catoblopas. Uh, oh, one thing. Our genus has deadly confetti now, which I oh, absolutely yes. love. Yes. Oh, he has, I forget the name of the swarm that he can create. Um, it, it really doesn't matter. It's deadly confetti from here on out. I believe it's parchment swarm is the, uh, is the name of the spell. It, it's, I it's think. deadly confetti. And the only thing I can think of when, when he says this is the, you know, those little poppers that you have a little string on the back and you pull and confetti bursts out. That's all I can see our is doing is just pulling that string and confetti bursting out all over the bad guys. <laughs> and it just tickles me every time I think about it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I have to agree i like the renaming deadly confetti but it's i i think it could be a very potent spell for oh for them yeah to no it's, i think it's gonna i think it's gonna be neat yeah it's definitely going to be useful and uh that makes me happy because that means they'll use it a lot and i get to have the mental image of him pulling one of those little confetti poppers out every time and i like that but yes they they defeat the uh Pass and uh I believe the Matt's character, the Crimson Hood, which I don't know if we officially named him. This is where the hat comes back in because he notices the hat and is like, mm, "That looks like my hat." Right. At this point, it should be made clear Matt's character is using mm-hmm. one voice, and, you know, very excited about the hat. And then when it's discovered that the hat is in fact his hat, and he puts it on, and that's when the Crimson Hood comes in. That's true. And then goes all rhymy on us. Yeah, he he speaks in rhymes, which, you know good on matt for being able to do that but i think that's going to get a little annoying a little quickly i don't know it wasn't totally i I mean when i say he wasn't like he was speaking in rhymes like every sentence had to rhyme with the next one but he had what he was putting together you know rhymed and had sort of a sing-song quality yes sing-song quality to it and 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 that's going to get to you is that what you're saying it might we'll see how matt does with it i uh i like matt's characters well, considering this is his third in what nine books, <laughs> including Skull and Shackles, they they so, definitely you know. have some kind of uh, Teflon armor that we're not aware of. Clearly, we, we may have to start referring to Matt and his characters as you know the Teflon Don and his crew. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, he leads them back into this little fort in the river or at the fork, and uh, right, and they have something to eat. They get fed. The guy inside is is very nice, very cordial, and very charmed. I believe too, if I remember correctly. Yes, he he's under the uh, charmed person spell. So, whatever it is he's doing, it it was clearly not of his own volition. And he leads the characters downstairs into the basement where the lady in red is is waiting. Yeah, the lady in red is waiting, and she introduces herself as Arasne. As Arasne. So. She's back. <laughs> yeah. And uh, 
at this point, this is when we have confirmation that um, Mrs. Perry is back and voicing Erasmus. I mean, up to this point, that's sort mm-hmm. of the assumption. I think they hinted pretty heavily, especially at the end of book two, with making her mm-hmm. undead and in red. Yes. Alex kind of ties that together really well with his flashback intro because mm-hmm. they go to Tomb of Arasni and the crew of scouts that are undead and slaughter everybody to get in there. They talk, oh, what we're doing is a horrible thing. And then there's an inscription that's read about, you know, rest here, etc. And then that takes us back in my mind to the flashback at book one where they bind Arasni, I think with a Gius or something, to go take out Tarbafon. And it just... Mm-hmm. You know, I begin to, it it just seems to weave a a tale of, uh, they're starting to pull together all these little threads, which is, which is kind of nice. Right. Right. So, but I had, I was suspecting Arasni with Elksy and I don't know why I had Mm. any reason. I honestly don't know why I had any reason to think that there was just something about the encounter. I was thinking, man, this is, I'm thinking this is Arasni. This is what it is. I mean, I, but I really had, you might be right. I, I'm I'm sure it is because Elksy is yeah. talking about oh you know how did you remember you know how did you learn how did you get to speak oh uh, benefactor awakened me and I remember when we had that not flashback but when we had that cinematic moment uh, mm-hmm. it was you know how about I awaken you and give you the choice and stuff like that so whew. yeah so it's an interesting development I think next episode's going to be very lore heavy very exposition heavy but. It's all in Arasni's voice, which means Miss Perry is probably going to be very much featured, um, which will be a nice change, I think. It's always nice to have her on. She does a very good job. Yep, yep. She does an excellent job, and I, I really liked her as McTana, especially mm-hmm. as a recurring, you know, as the recurring bad guy that's doing the little bit of monologuing to keep <laughs> things going and having someone else do the voice just, to me, added that. Uh, cherry on top of the whole experience and mm-hmm. yeah i'm looking forward to it yeah me too as much as we get out of it i'm i'm looking forward to it i have no idea where this is going to go though with Arasni. nope because the last we have in the past right not now but in the past they're undead from geb that are grabbing her and doing whatever they're doing which we presume is raising her as an undead maybe it's just stealing her body to be raised as an undead yeah, they may not have performed the ceremony there, but that's—I mean—that's—that's that's clearly what was implied, right? So, but then where did they where did they perform the ceremony? Did they take her back to Geb? Don't know. Maybe we'll find out next week. That's right. Maybe we will. I don't know. I just, twists and turns, baby. Twists and turns. And I thought Nessie was an interesting sub arc, but wow. <laughs> yep. I think uh, that about does it for us this week. We're at the end of the episode, and we've got a a pretty good one coming up next week, it seems. So I guess um, thanks for coming by this week. Thanks for listening. Uh, If you want to talk to us specifically, or any of the players for that matter, come by the Discord, and uh, you can find the links at inspiredincompetence.com. Come talk to us. We're pretty much always around, and I guess we'll, uh, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. If you've got the little spike on your your audacity bar, I think I do. Okay. I hope I then do. Then I think we're <laughs> Then I think we're good. We want to do it again? No, it's fine. Cuz I'll pay attention this time and watch the bar. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. Yeah, I promise you it's fine. Okay. All right.